0: Welcome, this is the Fly Fishing Journeys podcast with host Rob Giannino, where we have great conversation with really awesome experts from within the fly fishing community. You see, the fly fishing lifestyle is a journey and we're glad you're on this journey with us. Check out flyfishingjourneys.com for more podcasts and please subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Here's your host, Rob
1: Giannino. I'm not going to beat around the bush. You know or will find out that Norvice is a longtime sponsor of the Fly Fishing Journeys podcast. Tim and Michelle O'Neill, along with their son Tyler, have been faithful supporters and friends ever since. But that's not why I wanted to interview Tim. The Norvice Tying Vice is a very unique piece of equipment. The founder, Norm Norlander, was a visionary and beloved by so many. Tim has carried the Norvice tradition forward. Enjoy this discussion as we dive into Tim's story and learn about what the company claims to be the most innovative fly tying system on the market. Welcome to the Fly Fishing Journeys podcast, and I am super excited to have Tim O'Neill. Tim is our guest. He is the machinist, he's a journeyman machinist as well as the owner of Norvice. Tim, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Tim, thanks again for being on the podcast, and I know we've talked so much, and I'm finally able to get you on because we want to talk a little bit about your history with this great company, the things you do for. Norm and also, you know, bought the company from this kind of legend in fly tying and fly tying equipment, Norm Norlander. Right. You know, Norm is no longer here. And He's uh, not. And how did he pass? He had
0: a uh, cancer. What I understand of Norm is everybody loved him. Everybody loved Norm. Norm was, he was basically Santa Claus in appearance and in demeanor. He was the kindest person that that I've ever met. He would spend copious amounts of time with people working with them with the vice and customers that would come up year after year and, okay, you know, I'm doing okay with this. Now show me how to do this and show me the next step. And, and he was just the quintessential people person. He just loved being around people, very soft demeanor, very, very well-spoken, very well-educated and everybody loved it. Yeah. You know, everybody loved Norm.
1: So a lot of times when I'm here at the booth, and as you know, we have this display model Uh, People come around and say, oh, I watch the videos to this day of Norm, and people still love to watch those videos of Norm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we have all, all of the original videos of Norma up on the website. For me, it's actually kind of hard to watch them. I can watch them until he starts talking, and then when he starts talking, I'm, I'm like, out. Oh, I, I can't do it. Yeah. Um, but they're there, and they're going to stay there. And we we just relaunched uh, our new YouTube channel, so we're going to be putting some more, for lack of a better term, modern content up there with some of our, our new tires and our ambassadors. But the original videos of Norm are on the site and they're going to stay there forever. When you say when he starts talking, you can't tell us about that. If you knew him, you know what I'm talking about. And here's a perfect story. I am the operations manager for the machining company that does most of the work for the Vice. And they do most of the work for me. And I was doing a lot of the work for Norm You know, before he passed. And as an operations manager, it's just one thing after another problem and this and that, and you're constantly putting out fires. And I would make up reasons to call norm and i would get you know on a day where i was like really stressing out and, and ready to pull my hair out i would go into my office and i would just fabricate a reason to call him and it was it was nothing more just to hear him talk and it was kind of like therapy from a thousand miles away his demeanor the way he talked he, he would calm me down and it was just kind of like a like a decompression moment. And he didn't know at the time, but several years later he asked he's like, all those times you were calling me, you didn't really want anything did you?" and I had to kind of laugh and I'm like, now you you were my uh my therapist, and you know you kind of talked me off the edge, and that's the way he was he He just had that aura about him that he was just calming person, but still commanded respect and commanded a room and, and he's just just a great great people person and my father passed away about a year prior to Norm passing away. it was literally all of the same feelings again and, mm. you know and that's that's what he was to me and so many other people out here. He was just that guy.
1: So you would kind of get a little emotional when you hear him talk. You get a little oh, choked yeah. up. That uh, was what it is. It,
0: it goes way beyond emotional and choked up. Like, I, I literally can't. As soon as he talks, I got to turn it off. I can't watch it. Wow. Yeah. How long had you known Norm? Norm and I worked together for about 12 years before he passed. So we started working together... 2002, thousand, ish somewhere, somewhere in there. When was Norvice founded? He incorporated in, I believe, 90 or 91. He first started making vices and selling them in the late 80s. He started on the first prototype in the late 70s.
1: What was the purpose of him developing a vice? Like, why did he want to build
0: a vice? He, Norm was a mechanical engineer by trade. Y- you know, when you, when you take something like fly tying and you introduce the brain of a mechanical engineer, the Norvice is the epitome of, I should have thought of this. And it's it's a very, very simple concept in spinning the hook as opposed to your material hand rotating in circles around the hook. It was just a, a thought of we can do this better.
1: So he was a fly tire?
0: He was, yeah. He was as good a fly tire as you'll, as you'll ever meet.
1: But prior to building Norvice and running Norvice, he, he was a fly tire. Oh, absolutely. Lifelong. Yeah. So he yep. had just been tying on whatever. It doesn't really matter what vice, but he was tying on a vice that wasn't rotary. Right. And the whole idea of building and establishing this company was he wanted, the main objective was to
0: spin a rotating vice? He, he wanted a better way to do what we have always done. And he started off with, he made the first prototype and he made like maybe 10 vices. And he, he sold some and he, and he gave some to friends of the members of the, um, the club that he was in. And, well, those first 10 vices, it just took off. And then everybody was, Norm, I want one of your vices. Norm, I saw such and such tie, and I want one. And and it just kept going and going and going. And here we are, you know, 30 years later, and we're producing vices, you know, 500 at a time. And we're selling them like crazy. So, you know, and it all goes back to his idea and what he wanted to see in the world of fly tying, which didn't exist.
1: So he was just a fly tire on the circuit. Did he actually do the shows as a fly tire? Or was he just hey, a fly tire by hobby? Not,
0: not really really didn't do the show circuit until he had the uh, the business he, he did a lot of he, he was very active in in his club and then he started a club in his area the Columbia River Fly Fishers he was a founding member of that it just kind of started with an idea an idea turned into his first vice which turned into 10 And then it, you know, more vices and more shows and more vices and more shows. And it just kind of snowballed. So
1: he's just like a club fly tire.
0: And Mm -hmm. he's a machinist by trade. He is a mechanical engineer by trade. The way that that world works... The mechanical engineer comes up with the concept or the you know the thought process, and then the machinist brings it to life, okay. So to speak, he had a small shop at his at his house where he wound up at, in Kelso, and he had a milling machine and a lathe and some drill presses and things, and he could do things on a small scale. So he would do his product development there. He would do a few simple modifications and stuff. But then when it came to taking one of his ideas, when you get through the prototype stage and you're ready to go to market and you have to mass it. That's where I come in as a production machinist. So he would make one of something. We would tweak it. We would talk back and forth. Okay, let's change this. Let's do this. This. Then when we settled on the design, then I would then take that design and turn it into 500 parts or a thousand parts or whatever we, we were doing at the time. Did the original prototype spin? Yes. That was the concept? Yes. We, the whole idea was to get one that spun. Yes. A rotary vice That spun. And that's the big difference between rotating, which there are a lot of great Rotary vices out there, which you can rotate 360 degrees to take and spin the hook on center. And if you've ever watched us tie, when we do the dubbing, when we do the peacock curl, when we do, you know, reinforcing a hackle, the ability of the vise to spin opens up so many opportunities for us that, quite frankly, you just can't do on any other vise. So you're saying there's a difference between a rotary vise and a rotating vise? There's a difference between a rotary vise and a vise that you can spin. Absolutely. There's a difference between spinning and rotating.
1: Okay, rotating. Rotating is one when that you can rotate the vice and rotate the hook, but to spin it on center is
0: is a big difference, right? Right. And the ability, the the way we do the dubbing and particularly the dubbing in the peacock curl, if the vice doesn't spin and you can't get a fair amount of RPMs out of it, you just can't do it. It just won't work. Are there any pictures of this original vice? There is. There I I to see those. I, I ha- I'll, I'll show them. I have them in my phone. When I went out and we finalized the deal for myself to take over ownership of the company, I then went out to a shop and I literally packed up 30 years of Norvice, put it in a shipping container, and it was shipped from Kelso, Washington to Hokesson Delaware. So we literally, we couldn't have been further apart in the country if we tried. As I was packing it up, up on the top of one of the um, cabinets, the original number one prototype. The first one that he made was there under a glass case and up on the wall, framed, was the original line sketch, not a CAD drawing, a line sketch of the first vice and all the different pieces and stuff. And I have it in my phone, I'll show it to you here in a second.
1: That's Norvice it, history, right? It there. is and
0: I I know who has it and uh hopefully someday we're we're gonna we're gonna have that require it back? That. Yeah, I hope so. Well that's really cool. Yeah. It was one of those moments where it's like I, I was glad that I was there and I got to appreciate it. And so that was, you said, early 90s? That vice was probably made probably in the early 80s, I would say. Oh. And then he- Because that took, was all the prototype It was time. all the prototype, right. And then, you know, and it, you, you got to understand, he had a full-time job. He had two young kids, you, you know, so you'd work on it for a little while and then- yeah life would happen. And then you get back to it and work on. So it wasn't like he worked on this thing for 10 years straight. It was a little bit here, a little bit there. And then when it took off and snowballed, his life was at a point where the kids were a little older, so they didn't acquire or or require as much attention. So he could spend a little more time on the vice. And and it just kind of the way things worked out. And what was that, the original materials of that vice? It was was a lot of aluminum. It's really, really big. The hubs on this thing are gigantic. And he used that to prove that the technique would work, that it would work, and it did. And then he worked on taking the vice and kind of compacting it down and making it smaller and smaller and smaller. For consumers. Yeah. There's basically four generations of Norvice. And if you look at the the first two, the hubs are bigger, the body's bigger, the shaft is bigger, and then the Gen 3 and 4, everything kind of shrunk down a little bit and... Is
1: that like for, bar stock or how, how does it? I'm not a machinist and I don't understand how you do all this. Well, basically,
0: stuff. it would you know, you take a part like the, the vice body, which is one of the more complex parts in the vice, it would go into the machine. It would typically be a length of bar stock, it would go into a machine, which when I machine it, it goes into an eight axis machining center. So, eight axis, you have X which is up and down, Z, which is in and out. Well, you have X, Y, Z, C, B, C on the backside. So this machine is moving in all different directions. It can move literally in eight different directions at one time. So it would go in as a piece of raw bar stock material. The machine would do its thing, and then when it comes out of the other end, it's a finished part. That's unbelievable. And that's the, you know, people don't understand. If I take them to the shop and they they watch... You know the machine make a part. They're like, oh, that that's that's cool. What do you do? Do you show the machine a picture and it makes it? And it's like, no, it's it's not like that at all. So it's a CAD drawing. It's it, it's all CAD. It's CAD drawing. It's it's um, computer aided machining. So that the computer will generate the tool pass for me. But you still have to know what to tell the computer to do.
1: And how is it chiseled? Like is
0: it how it's, is it it's cut? Cutting tools. So so it, it would. Um, it would spin. If you've ever seen a wood lathe work, it's kind of the same principle, but it's a much more sturdy and rigid type of machine. So it would spin, and then the, the tool would come in and kind of peel the material off. So similar to what you would see in a wood lathe, but again, very different. How is it finished to give it that finished look? It comes out of the machine like that. The, the black is, is anodized, but... Like, for instance, the one we're looking at now, the hubs, the front and rear hub, the thread post, that, it comes out of the machine that way.
1: I'm a techie, but I'm not a mechanical it's, guy. That's why we have people like you here, Tim, to, to do all that stuff for us.
0: It's, it's cool. And, and you think about it. People don't understand what a machinist does. And I tell people all the time, every aspect of your life, from the time you wake up till the time you go to bed, a machinist was involved in. Okay, so perfect example. What's the first thing you do when you get out of bed? Most people get up and they brush their teeth, right? Machinists made the mold that molded the toothbrush. You look at your control panel here, all these little fixtures and fittings and all that was all made by a machinist. Mm -hmm. You know, all your car parts were made by a machinist. Everything that you do in your life, a machinist was involved in at some point.
1: What is the intersection point between yourself and
0: Norm? About 2002, 2003 the manufacturing economy in the united states was not good at the time and the company I was working with, they put me in charge of sales and my job was to basically go out and try to find work for the company. So, you know, I called all of our current customers, which was kind of stupid because if they had work, they would have given it to <laughs> they us, right? Called. Yeah, right. So and, and I just started going down and I started going through all my hobbies at the time. So I called every I was big into shooting at the time. So I called every gun manufacturer. I was big into archery. I called every archery manufacturer, fly fishing, I called every rod manufacturer, every reel manufacturer, you know. And you call some of the bigger companies, and you would get the receptionist, and, and, you know, you can't get past the receptionist. Well, I had seen the Vice, I I had seen Norm tie, and I literally had fly-tying magazines on my desk. And I'm just going through anything that has a machine part, I'd call them up. And (laughs) I'll never forget this. I called Norvice, I dialed the number, who picks up the phone? Norm. Norm. I remember I stumbled over my words because I I was so shocked that he actually picked the phone up. I I wasn't prepared. I didn't know what to say. And... We talked for that first phone call probably forty-five minutes, and he says, um, "Are you are you in front of your computer?" And I said, "Yeah." He says, "All right, I'm going to send you a print." So he sent me over a print, and it's for it was the the two halves of the standard inline jaw that comes on every vice that we sell. And he says, "Can you make these?" And oh, yeah, I can make them." You know, he says, "Okay, I need five hundred of them as soon as you as soon as you can get them done." And you could have knocked me over with a feather. And I did the quote for him. I called him back because here's what it's going to cost. He says, okay, get them done as soon as you can. And we did them. And two parts turned into four, four turned into eight, eight turned into 16. And within about a year, I was machining about 80% of the parts and pieces for the, for the entire product line. Wow. And the funny thing is, and, and he, di- he didn't tell me this until several years later, the day that I called him, about 10 minutes before, he had received a call from the current company that was making that particular part, and they had dropped the ball on a delivery date. And apparently, they had dropped the ball several times. And for him to get that phone call, and then for me to call him 10 minutes later, I mean, dumb luck or divine intervention, take your pick. But if I would have made that call a day before or a day later, you and I may not be talking right now. That's amazing. You know, it's yeah. its just crazy how that kind of stuff happens. So.
1: Well, not only the intervention or how the connecting point there, but the stick to for you to pick up the phone and make yeah. calls like that. You know, not a lot of people like to make cold uh, calls. You,
0: you, if you're going to do a cold call sales thing, you better have a thick skin because you're going to get the phone slammed down in your ear quite a bit. So, And that's kind of why when he answered the phone, I, I didn't know what to say. You know, I was kind of like, oh, wow, I'm really talking to so him. So you, you did know?
1: two pieces 500 times. Two pieces he, 500 times, yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's really cool. And now you're in Delaware. I'm in Delaware, yes. And you were in Delaware when you called them. Yes. And your company that you work for, your your boss must have been pretty happy you got a nice order.
0: Uh, he was happy when, when we started machining 80% of the uh the, the, the product line because it's I mean it's it's expensive. It's it, there's a lot of parts in this thing. Yeah.
1: Now you're just kind of a vendor. Uh, yeah. But at well, the time you were just like supplying parts.
0: We were supplying parts, yeah. And then I guess about 2015 ish, um, Norm's wife became ill and he couldn't travel. And anybody who's done these shows, and you know it, I mean, to pack all this stuff and to fly across the country and set up a booth and do that, don't get me wrong, I love it, and I love being around the people, but it's a lot of work, and it's a lot of stress. And he just got to the point to where he didn't do the shows on the east coast he did a few shows out here but he just wasn't coming to the east coast anymore so he knew that i had a sales background he knew that i'd done retail sales for a very long time so he and i struck up a deal so i started repping the product out here so i did all of the shows from say boston to atlanta west to say maybe detroit and we did that for two years and then norm became ill and at that point we had to come up with a plan to make sure that this thing continued because because one of his his biggest wishes was that it continues. You know, and you think about it, you spend 30 years of your life trying to build this thing up. You don't just want to see it go away. Die off. And you've got to be in a kind of unique position to be able to, to do this and to be able to sell it. You can't just any, any guy off the street that can tie flies, they may not be successful doing it because you've got to understand manufacturing. You've got to understand how to tie flies, and you've got to be a people person, and that those are, are four things that don't you know necessarily cross paths all the time. Tell me about Norm's wife. You had mentioned she became ill. She has um, dementia, and it just got to the point to where he couldn't travel with her. It, it he just, had to be home. You know, take he care had of to her. be home, and that's you know he couldn't be very far away. So the the shows just he he just couldn't do it. He was home taking care of his wife, and then unfortunately he became ill and. He passed away. His wife is is still alive and uh, living with one of their daughters. Okay, so the
1: family's taking care of her. Yep. When he became ill, did you guys... Have a conversation about what to do with the several, company.
0: Yeah, several. And there, there, there was a time where it was going to stay within the family and Norm's son, and then more importantly, Norm's grandson. There were talks that he was going to take over. Norm's grandson is a great kid, as is Norm's son. At the time, he was, I believe, a, a sophomore or maybe a junior in high school, and he just it, he couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. It's. I mean, this There's a lot to th- it. This is a full-time job on top of. My machining career. So I work, especially this time of year, show season, I'm working about 80 to 90 hours a week.
1: So you're having these conversations, then you guys came up with an agreement for you to buy the company. Correct.
0: And when was that? That happened April of 18. Norm passed away May of 18. Wow. Yeah. It started with uh, lung cancer and then it metastasized to his brain. And when they found it up in, in his brain, his, his diagnosis, it was stage four and his, his, uh, it was terminal, and they, they sent him home.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess one of his last wishes that his company would continue was, was taken care of. So It was. Yep. Just a word from one of our sponsors, and we'll be right back to the show. Are you a guide, a lodge, a fly shop, or a business in the fly fishing industry? Give Art Hofford of Bissell Insurance Agency a call. Art has industry-specific insurance packages and he has specific liability packages for fly fishing guides, outfitters, and businesses in the outdoor industry. Once again, call Art Hoffert, and you can find his information at BissellInsuranceAgency.com. So now you're out in the road, and you're still doing what you did before, but now you're doing it more
0: nationwide. Pretty much. Our, our dealer network, that was one of, when we first took over, we started to rebuild our dealer network. Do you have so. a
1: desire to have more dealers? Or are you right? Oh,
0: absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I, I, our goal right now is to have a minimum of one dealer in every state.
1: Is there a certain requirement to be a dealer? Is it like a fly shop, or what, when you say a dealer,
0: we're looking for an established fly shop, or at least a, a minimum of an online entity. We're not necessarily looking for the guy that is the the club pro that's selling out of his house. Kind of, right. I mean, we want reputable dealers. We want people that will service the brand and the company and are going to sell for us. And we do a lot for our dealers. I, I believe we do more than a lot of companies do. You know, we're looking more so for partners, so people that are gonna be in it with us with the long haul. It's the same thing we do with our with our pro tire staff and our ambassadors. We're looking for people that can tie and show the vice and show what it does but we're also looking for good for lack of a better term salt of the earth people that I can go fishing with or they can come and stay at my house when they're you know that that's yeah. we're building a family here and that that's really really what our goal is and what we want to do That's amazing. Let's
1: run through the the Norvice because I think it's very interesting. People come by, and like what I say, uh, you guys are sponsors, Raj, so thank you for being one of our sponsors. Well, We appreciate it. it you, our,
0: your sponsorship works out well for us, trust me. So.
1: Well, good. That's good news. I know we have a great listenership, and uh, so when they come by the booth, and I, we have this display model here, they're either fascinated by it, mm-hmm. and I send them over to see you, uh-huh. or they have one, and they're like, oh, I love my <laughs> Norvice. So I want to go through the parts. Uh, first, before we go through the parts... Why don't you give us three reasons what separate the Norvest? You talk about the spinning right.
0: and what makes it different or unique. The ability to if if you think about it. of what we do in the world of fly tying, we are wrapping something over the shank of the hook. Be it your thread, be it your chenille body, your hackle, your dubbing noodle, it's wrapping over the shank of the hook. So if I can take that and as opposed to my material hand being animated and wrapping around and I can hold my material hand steady and I can spin the vise, my material, it's going to go on faster. Now we don't really promote speed in our tying. You will inherently tie faster because it's more efficient. Your material is going to go on with a more consistent tension, which I believe leads to better flies. And some of the things that we do with the reinforcing of the peacock curl and the hackle and the way we dub, you build stronger flies and they're going to last longer. And that's the benefits of the vice. As a side benefit, we have people and, you know, Brittany's standing here looking at me. Her husband had rotator cuff surgery and he started tying on the vice. And he said immediately within the first session, his shoulder felt better because he's not making these big wide loops with his, you know, with his material hand, your material hand stays still and you just spin the vice. For Project Healing Waters is a, we, we are a huge, huge donor. To Healing Waters, and we're happy to do so. And it, just in a nutshell, what Healing Waters does, it takes service-disabled veterans, and it tries to rehabilitate or reacclimate them to civilian life through fly fishing and fly tying. And that particular entity, they love our vice because people who have dexterity issues with their fingers, if they you know have issue in in combat or you know have other injuries, they can use our product and they can tie the fly. And it's just to see people with the problems that they have that they've obtained from being in combat to then being able to tie just something as simple as tying a fly and when they finish it you see the look on their face and it's i mean that that's all the reward that we need Mm -hmm. so and so it spins and then you have your auto bobbin the auto bobbin yeah that's um it's the only product like it on the market so when you get into rotary tying you have to take each time you rotate or spin the vice the bobbin has to be parallel to the shank of the hook. Think about it. If the bobbin is hanging off the eye of the hook and you start spinning the vise, what it's going to do is it's just going to take and it's going to wrap the thread up onto the hook. So you've got to get the bobbin out ahead of the hook. So when you spin it, it spins as a unit. So the challenge with the regular bobbin is every time you come off of that cradle, you have to do the thumb and the forefinger, wrap the slack back onto your thread spool to get the tip of your bobbin tube up to the shank of the hook. With the auto bobbin and The auto bobbins work with any vice on the market. We have as many guys tying on competitors' vices as they do on the Norvice. It winds the slack for you automatically. So you can go on the bobbin cradle, you can work on the fly, do whatever you need to do. When you come off the cradle, all you have to do is move the bobbin towards the fly, and it winds the slack up for you. And it's, it's the only product on the market that will do what our product does. There is another spring-loaded bobbin out there. It doesn't do what the auto bobbin will do. How does it know to stop just <laughs> below the vise? <laughs> that, that little black clutch that you see in the, uh, in, in the center of the bobbin spool, there are six different pieces that go inside that thing. They're all manufactured by me, and every bobbin is hand-assembled by me. So it's just like when you slow down? Is it it's built off of the kind of the same principle. Remember the old window shades that you I would was pull gonna down. Say yeah. window shade. Yeah. It's not exactly, but it's similar to that. So you pull it down and then you would pull it and kind of disengage it and let it roll up. But yeah. if you remember, when you let go of that thing, it would roll up and the window shade would flop around yeah. and it would it, it's the it's kind of the same idea as as that. Without the flopping around. Without the flopping around. Unless you cut the thread and, and you don't have it under tension then the spool will suck the thread down, and it will spin, and it will untension itself. Yep. So it's kind of the same principle.
1: It's kind of a unique vice, because a lot of vices you get, you either clamp on your desk or it sits on a pedestal. Right. Where your vice, it has a base. Right. So the main part is
0: the vise. The vise or the vise head. Yeah, that particular one has the standard inline jaws in it. And then the other piece is the thread post. And the reason that we've done it that way on a base is we're looking for a particular distance from the vise jaw to the thread post, which all works in conjunction with the auto bobbin and how much it retracts and how much it will. So when you said, how does it know when to stop at the bottom? Well, that's how it knows because it's all figured out in the geometry of the setup.
1: Your vise or your post... Actually works in unison with your thread post. Absolutely. So they're kind of, uh, both pieces are required. Yep. Yep. They go down either through a bamboo base. Mm Mm-hmm. That's standard? Yep. Or you have the granite?
0: We offer the bamboo, which um, is, is a lighter, thinner board, and, and that's our quote-unquote travel board. We have the granite base like the one that we're looking at here. We do have C-clamps, so you can clamp the vice and the thread post onto an edge of a table. Okay. Some people, if they have, and, and one of mine at home, if they have a dedicated tying area with a desk, you can just drill two holes through the desk. You can hard mount it right to the top
1: of your, of your desk. So if I wanted to travel with the Norvice and I didn't necessarily want to take
0: my base, mm-hmm. I could do the clamp? You could do the C-clamps, or we offer a travel kit, which is a little, like a kind of a black briefcase-looking thing. And the bamboo board, it has a pouch in it, and the bamboo mm-hmm. board slides in. The vice, okay. it's all die-cut foam. So, you know, you can pack it up and take it with you. And then when you get to where you're going, set it up. It takes, I don't know, five minutes to set the thing up, and, and you're off and tying. You said this is a, the bars are aluminum, yes. and then it's steel? On this particular, the one that you have is the Legacy model, and Norm, this was actually the last project that Norm and I finished together. We had a few more that we had started, but this was the last one that we finished. He named it the Legacy. I didn't know why he named it it, the Legacy, but then it became very apparent a little while later. The vice body and the uprights are aluminum, and then they're black anodized this one, the hubs and the friction nut and the thread post are stainless steel. So the benefit of that is they will never change color. They will never rust. They will never patina. They will never tarnish. That vice will look exactly like that 20 years from now. That's so cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah tell me about your family because you guys have a kind of a traveling family here. We, we, we know Michelle, your yep. just amazing wife. She travels with you. She's an incredible support at the booth, probably runs everything behind the scenes. We, we probably know that. <laughs> and then you have Tyler, your son. Yep.
0: Yeah. So tell me about your family. So as you mentioned, um, my wife, Michelle and Tyler are both obviously owners of the company. Tyler and I do... All of the machining, the packaging. That well, Michelle does a lot of the packaging. We do a lot of the assembly at the booth. Michelle is is a godsend. I mean, we we couldn't do it today. And and you know, I'm looking at Brittany. She's shaking her head. We were packed today. I mean, we had 30 people in front of the booth for basically the whole show. And with Michelle there, she can ring up all the sales. She can answer questions behind the scenes. I can stay in tie and then my other tire. Be it you know Tyler who would normally sit to my, um, to my left, or in this case it's Brittany, we can continue to tie, we can continue to ask questions, and it just keeps everything flowing nice and easy.
1: You had reached out to me and you said, Rob, you know, I've been listening to your podcast and I'd love to talk to you more about becoming a sponsor. I did. And I was in Labrador at the time, if you remember. I, I said, I do
0: remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, I can't talk right now. i catch a fish. <laughs> uh, I didn't say that. <laughs> yeah.
1: I emailed you back and said, I'm you in did. Labrador. I know, you did. You did. And I said, I would definitely love to talk to you more mm-hmm. when I get home. And, you know, one of the reasons that I was excited about the partnership is because I see you everywhere. Mm-hmm the partners that we want to have within our podcast are people that are out of out and about in the community. And you've heard me tell this story. The reason why I love working with you guys is that you guys go to all these shows. You're interacting with your customers. You're giving back your time. You could easily run ads and you could sell this product online, which you do, and just kind of do it all from your home and you wouldn't be out and about within the community. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I love is that you guys are interacting with your customers.
0: Well, we have to. And and the reason that we have to do it that way, when you first walk up to it and you see the vice, it looks different than any fly tying vice that you've ever seen. It looks kind of alien for lack of a better term. And to see a still picture of the vice you can't understand or you can't appreciate what you can do with it. So we have to be in front of people. We have to be demoing device. We have to be spinning device. We have to be showing people what it does. And when you first look at it, you're kind of like, "Eh, I don't know, that looks kind of different. And then when you see what we can do, especially the dubbing, you know, I don't know how many people the first time I do the dubbing and they're like, that is the coolest thing I have ever seen. Yeah. You know, and that's that's why we do this, because a still picture for our vice just doesn't cut it. You don't get the effect of what it can do. We have to be in front of people showing them what you can do with it.
1: So for those that are listening in and aren't at a show, but they do want to see
0: that, you had mentioned your YouTube channel. Yep. Where can they see some of these YouTube videos? It nor uh, Noor-Vice. That's how you find it on YouTube. We're going to make it a goal to try to put at least one new video up a week. The YouTube channel is going to be more of the fly tying patterns and showing how the vice works and, and that kind of stuff all of the instructional videos of how to set up the vise, how to set up the bob, and how to do this are on the website. Okay. So the instructional stuff's on the website. The YouTube is going to be more for fly tying videos and and how-to and that kind of stuff.
1: And you have the different jaws. I mean, are there any patterns? Are there any flies that I cannot tie with the Norvise? We
0: have three sets of jaws. We can hold hooks from the smallest would be, say, a 32. A lot of my guys in Denver tie 32s. Yeah, no, I'm, 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 not, I'm watching TV before yeah, I'm fishing I'm a 32. I'm, I'm not tying a 32 <laughs> on anything, but they do it out there. Our saltwater jaw, the largest that, that I know of, would be an 8-0 that one of our guys tied for a mako shark. We have a tube fly attachment. So to answer your question, no, there, there is nothing on our vice. that There is no fly that you cannot tie on the Norvice. One thing
1: I noticed with Tyler, too, he's amazing as far as being out in the community. That's one thing that I, I see him out and about. He's working with a lot of the nonprofits. He's working with a lot of the 501c3s yep. in the fishing community. He's huge on uh, social media, so he's getting the name out there. And we, he does a lot of interacting online as well as with the local
0: clubs. So. He does, yeah. And, and he's, I, I am, like at the show my world is 10 by 10. That yeah. booth is that's where I am and, and, and it's kind of my inner thought that that's where I have to be. And and Tyler does that as well, but he will also go out and, and he'll kind of mingle at the shows and talk to people. And, you know, we, we just, um, Sun Tao is tying on one of our vices. He's like, hey, I was just talking to Son and he's interested in this and that. So, so that's kind of what, what he brings to the, um, to the game. So it's a weird dynamic in that we own the company and, you know, my wife and my son and I travel a lot of times to the same shows, So it's still working with your family. So we still have our moments. Oh yeah. But (laughs) you know, at the end of the day, we've all, we all kind of gravitate to our strengths and it, it works, you know, and we fight and we scream and, and I turn into a, you know, stressed out neurotic mess every once in a while. And then my wife tells me to stop acting like a jerk. And then I, you know, you stop acting like a jerk. So (laughs) it it all works, you know, it's, and it's fortunate that I get to do that. This with both of them because not a whole lot of families can successfully work together.
1: We did a tying little tying video on a podcast. with Braden Miller. Oh yeah, one of your youth ambassadors.
0: Well, he's an ambassador. We we've taken the term youth off off of it. (laughs) He ties flies better than people that have been tying for twenty years. He's amazing. He is phenomenal, and he just launched his uh, his website and his his business, Miller Time Flies. So go and check that out, um, www.millertimeflies.com. Just a great kid. And we have... A couple of, uh, of younger kids that are ambassadors. We have some great, great tires. Um, Dave Allison is, is another one. You met him in, uh, Denver. in Denver. He is a fabulous tire. Brittany and her husband, Brian, are both ambassadors. So we've got a husband and wife team. Yep. We have Noam Buckman, who you know. Yep. Who, yeah. She, she's she's, a podcast she's with one Noam. of our ambassadors. So we're really looking to build and promote this, this family type of thing. And I don't necessarily want the prototypical fly tire that everybody knows. I, I want kids. I want women. I want the, the everyday people on the staff. They still need to be able to tie. Obviously, they still need to be able to use the vice and interact with the people. But I really want people to see, hey, They've got a couple women tires. You know, hey, they've got kids on there. And 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 I really want to build that community. And and that's one of our goals. Orvis with the 50-50 on the water, we we agree with that 100%. And I would love to see 50-50 women tying, you know, back here. The kids, how can we not bring kids and do everything that we can do to bring young men and women into this sport it's it's our our duty yeah you know we have to or the sport's going to go away so anything that we can do for kids we're all about it project healing waters um the, that that organization, they, they I, I will support them wholeheartedly, 100%. We will give everything that we can give the Healing Waters. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: Well, I want to thank you for... You do all seven of the fly fishing shows.
0: We do all seven,
1: yes. The Frimsky yep. Fly Fishing Shows. All seven. Yep. And I want to thank you for that because I think it's important that we commit to the fly fishing show. I this agree. This is the fly fishing community. I agree. And I think a lot of times uh, companies, they want to come to a show... If it's beneficial for them. Right. And that's important. Everyone has to m- have a bottom line. Absolutely. But in the fly fishing community, I think it's important to come to the show to be active at the show in the community. Yes. To support the show. Absolutely. And so that's why I travel to all seven. because I made a commitment to the show because I think it's important. You know, we're, we're trying to build this industry as, as a group. So if people interact and be more committed to the show, if it's good for the show and good for them. That's what I'm excited about. Right. So when you guys committed to all seven, that's when I knew that this is a great partnership. This this is our second year,
0: um, obviously, since we've owned a company that, that, that we've committed to all seven. We will continue to do all seven. Uh, ben is, is very easy to work with. And, I, I mean, the bottom line, we're all in this together. And we need, we, Norvice, we need a, a venue or an outlet to come and demo and and sell our stuff. Ben needs to fill these venues up with dealers and people so that the customers will come. So we're all... It's, it's a right-hand, left-hand thing. Yeah. One doesn't work without the other. And I look at this as one show that's in seven different locations. Yeah. So we look at it as, okay, it's not the Atlanta show or the Marlborough show or the Denver show. It's the fly fishing show. And overall, at the end of the year, when you get to the end of all seven shows, how did you do? Did you make money? Did you lose money? Did you do that? And, and we always... When you look at it as a whole, we always do very, very well at all seven shows. Yeah, so.
1: well, I appreciate that. And, and that's important, too, because I've actually backed away from some, some great manufacturers, some great relationships that we still have as friends and relationships, but backed away because maybe they don't want to participate in that. And that's just not in alignment with my philosophy is I that do. I'm trying to grow the entire sport. I'm trying to make this whole the podcast be about the industry.
0: Right, and we agree 100%. And then, you know, to cut it to the bone, how could we not do... The shows, you know, we were here last year. We sold a bunch of vices. We had a bunch of happy customers. How can I not come back here this year? Because those people want to talk to me and they want to ask questions and they want to buy more things. And, yeah. and I, you know, it's it's part of servicing the customers as well. And you have to do it. And it's tough. I mean, <laughs> well, Tuesday or Thursday when we came out here, we, my wife and I, we were up for twenty-two hours straight because yeah. we're flying from Philadelphia out to here in two planes and a rental car and checked into the hotel. But you know, when we get here and we get the show and we get the booth set up and the people start coming in, like it, it's all worth it. That you that's, love talking I, I love it. I love it. Yeah, I do. I really love it. And all the machining is done in Middletown, Delaware. Not not all of it. We're actually to the point to where I can't keep up. So I have four shops that I use, and if right now. Because of the shows we have done, we've been fortunate enough that, that we have done very well, so we're making a lot of product right now, and I have product in all four shops, and I'm doing as much as I can, but that is a business unto itself. It's not you know, like I have this shop that just does Norvice parts. I manage the company, the the owner and I work very closely together, but we have a catalog of customers that we have to service as well. So if I can't get everything in where I need to get it in, I'll overflow to one of the four shops that we deal with. That's awesome. The majority of it is done in Middletown, Delaware.
1: Tim, how can people find out more information about the Norvice and stay in touch with you, buy online, and all that good stuff?
0: Uh, The website is www.nor-vice.com. Very important to have the dash in there. Instagram is uh, nor-vice. My email is tim at nor-vice.com. Facebook, and YouTube, nor-voice.com Tim, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Appreciate it.
1: You've been listening to Fly Fishing Journeys with your host, Rob Giannino. To be notified of new episodes, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts. You can follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. For past episodes, check out flyfishingjourneys.com. Fly fishing is a journey,
0: and we're glad you're on this journey with us.